how to see and share Jesus from all of Scripture, well, learn with us at the Christ Centered and Clear podcast. Welcome to the Christ Center and Clear podcast. My name is Josh Redberg, and I'm your host today. I'm here with John Aiken, and we are finishing up the book of Proverbs this week and next week. And so we have worked through Proverbs 1 through 9, each chapter, uh, one sermon at a time. And then we have looked at some of the topics from chapters 10 through 29, including a sermon series John did on the family and how Proverbs speaks to that. So here we are. We're to 30 this week and 31 next week. So, so John, when you get to Proverbs 30 and you're preparing to preach it, getting close to wrapping up a series through the book of Proverbs, what's the main theme you come to when you get to Proverbs 30? Yeah, so 30 and 31 are a pair that is the conclusion to the book of Proverbs. And um, unlike a lot of the stuff that's come previously, it's it's an extended discourse, right? So it's like, it's a unit, it's not random. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it's an extended discourse and both of them are oracles is the word that's used, which is the uh, Hebrew word for like a prophetic burden. Um, And so, so these are future looking. Um, And so, yeah. So when you think through preaching 30 and 31, you're going to see them as a unit. 30 sets up 31, and we, we'll talk more about that when we talk about the Christ-centered nature of it. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's the conclusion to the book. It's picking up on a lot of the same themes from earlier in the book and, um, mm-hmm. and kind of wrapping them up. So yeah, so when you, when you preach it, you want to you preach it with that in mind. Yeah, so did you... So that's that's challenging. You're wrapping up these themes. You're also you have it so long it'd be hard to do thirty and thirty one as a single sermon. But with it being the first half of a pair, like when you were thinking about preaching it, how were you trying to both set up thirty one, but also have a have a sort of complete thought in the sermon on thirty? Yeah. So so I did. I just did a a three point sermon, which I mean I I don't always do three point sermons and a poem, but yeah. But they're never bad. Yeah, no, it's 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 kind of helpful. Um, so I did a three point sermon on thirty, but you set up thirty one, especially in the first uh, six verses, is setting up. It, it's kind of the foil to thirty one. So uh, thirty is going to be a massive disappointment because you get to the end and Agar. We don't know who Agar is. Who's who's writing this? uh, this chapter, um, but you get to the end of the book of Proverbs to this conclusion and the author saying, I've not obtained wisdom. I'm stupider than any other man. And so I'm going to use that to set as a foil to 31. We're going to see 31 an answer to the inadequacy of chapter 30. But then I just walk through chapter 30, uh, in the sermon. Yeah, so we'll get to that. I know in talking about the significance and how we see Christ really in 30 and 31. But how did then did you divide? You said you had three points, you walked through it. Cause it's a it's a challenging um chapter, just the the content of it. You have 
this repetition of there's a generation, you have mm -hmm. all of these three things and four things. So how did you walk through it? Like walk us through your thinking um, on developing a sermon. Yeah. So I think the, the, the first point was the first six um, verses and it was, it was just, and the main point is that you need to look to Christ for wisdom because, um, because of that confession, again, I'm stupider than any other man, not obtained uh, knowledge of the Holy one. And for you to get that, it has to be somebody who's ascended into heaven, come down, gathered the wind in his fist, wrapped up the waters in the garments. What is his name? What is his son's name? And so, so I connect that obviously with First uh, Corinthians thirty, and how Christ is our wisdom, yeah. and so he he's the one who literally has descended from heaven, come down and brought us wisdom. And then uh, the second part is mainly dealing with uh, moral issues, and so sinful foolishness uh, with some of the numeric sayings, starting in verse uh, two. Um, to, so the numerical sayings, two things I ask of you, deny them not to me before I die, remove from me falsehood and lying, give me neither poverty nor riches, feed me with the food that is needful for me, lest I be full and deny you and say, who is the Lord? Um, and so with those numerical sayings in the middle, talking about um, how wisdom rescues us in terms of living a holy life. Uh, and then the end of the book um, at the... Uh, kind of 24 through the, uh, not the end of the book, the end of the chapter, 24 through the end of the chapter is mm -hmm. looking at the world through the lens of Christ. And so it's, um, it's talking about kind of the way the world works and the rhythm and the design to the world and how, um, and I, I point that to um, Christ and how not only he's the creator, he's the upholder and how that design points us to uh, a Christ-centered way to live. So, okay, so Christ as our wisdom, then sort of foolishness and moral living, then how Christ leads us or helps us live wisely in that last section, something yeah, like so, that so as far Christ as Christ as our wisdom, Christ as our holiness, and then Christ as, okay, as our design for how to live. Yeah. So I'm curious about it with this passage, but maybe even just in general as you preach and teach, how do you handle lists? Because in my own preaching, I find that difficult sometimes. Um, just finished up the book of Second Corinthians, and there in the the last sermon, we came across these two verses where he lists basically like it's a list of eight and a list of three, mm -hmm. and you know these are two of thirteen or fourteen verses I'm covering. So I'm not going to I wasn't necessarily going word by word and saying like this word means that this word means that. So in something like this that is just filled with lists. How how do you handle that? How much depth do you go in? How much do you just summarize? Like, what what do you do? That's with a great this? question. I think that so so what I did here, and I don't know that I always do this um, necessarily, but I just kind of summarize the list and don't do more than like one line on each of the different things in lit in the list, right? So, um, so for example, near the end, um. He, where he's talking about learning uh, wisdom from small animals. Um, he's talking about like the, um, he, he's talking about like the rock badger, the locust, the lizard. Mm -hmm. I, I just, I talking about like, look, he's, he's talking about 
things that are small but wise, and you learn wisdom by observing these small animals. Um, and so you're so the ant survives because he provides the rock badger uh, because he makes a secure home in the cliffs, the locust because they march in rank, the lizard um, because he lives. You know he's he's hard to he's hard to um, to contain because he lives in kings' palaces. And so I I just I'm just like very quick. I, I give the main the main issue of, of like mm-hmm. we observe small animals and we gain wisdom from them on how to navigate our way through life. Do you go any longer on one? So like looking at the next list, uh, there are things that are stately in their stride. Mm-hmm. One of them is just simply a goat. Yeah. So when it's something like that, that does, do you go any more, not like real in depth, but an extra sentence? Cause okay. A lion. Oh yeah. I see that. Even a strutting rooster, maybe the fourth one I know is the point, the King at the head of his right. army, <laughs> but just randomly a goat. So I've never thought of a goat as being stately in its stride. So is that something you would clarify or just, you know, let them, let them ask those questions in, in their own minds if they're paying enough attention? Yeah, I try, I tried to answer that, but again, just briefly, cause I don't, I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on it. So right. these, these four are in contract so that we, we just had the small things, uh, the small animals previously that help us observe the way life works and how we need to navigate our way through life. Now he's using that to talk about um, like the humble recognition of limitations it, to, be, to be able to have that humility makes you become wise, makes you become confident. Um, and so that's true of the, the lion who's not scared, but it's also true of the the rooster who's strutting and the the he goat, as it says in the in the Hebrew, um, and, and so I. But again, I don't. I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time. I didn't spend a whole lot of time yeah. on explaining how that's true of a goat. Um, I just said, hey, here's <laughs> here's three things. Again, like you said, getting to the king, whose army is with right. him. Here's three things that, um, because of their the humble recognition of their limitations. They become wise. They become confident in walking through life. Mm-hmm. Lion's not scared. Rooster's not scared. The goat's not scared. Um, and so that points to the army who, okay. you know, is with the king. And again, at the end of the book, same themes as the beginning of the book, the the author's preparing his son to rule. And so that's why he's, he's addressing right. the king. So like Joseph... Um, stored food for a season when there wasn't going to be a lot of food. Ant Mm -hmm. stores food for a season when there's, you know, not going to be a lot of food. That same thing that Jesus does um, in his, in his wisdom, he orders his kingdom through wisdom. Yeah. So that's great. Is there, that's really helpful to think about just how to handle those and the way to summarize getting to the point. Is that the, the reason that for the use of these threes and fours, like it's, it's such an interesting thing and it's used so prolifically in this chapter. Um, what, what would you say is the reason or what do you explain for the, the way in which this is written? Is it just a, a sort of a, a, a way that it was done then a, a special type of poetry? Mm-hmm. Uh, just how do, how would you explain just, even if you didn't do it in your sermon yourself, the the use of these sort of three things and four things that's repeated, I think, four times in this chapter. Yeah, it's just a poetic device. Um, 
it's it, it's a way to it's a way to do lists that is creative and not rote. Um, yeah, so I that that that's the way I explain it is just the three and four. You see this in other places in uh, Proverbs, for example. Um, it's just a it's it's a literary device to set things up um, for yeah. the way that you know for these these lists that he wants to to give out. Um, back in in chapter six, there are six things that the Lord hates, seven that are an abomination to Him, and so it's just kind of that like escalating or, or whatever, but it's just a, it's a, it's a metaphorical way to, to get across these lists of things that he's wanting to communicate. That's good. So let's get back to sort of the Christ centered interpretation here. Now we've talked a lot about Proverbs 30 mm -hmm. when we were looking at the early parts of the book, when you went to preach this, how much of it did you review from things you already said? Um, like how, how did you handle the fact that I, I, probably throughout the sermon series to some extent, you're looking ahead to 30 um, and, and not being overly repetitive, or is that not something you're worried about? Yeah, no, I didn't worry about repetition. I think that, um, so, so my, my advice to preachers would be, if you're preaching through a book, and in order to understand the book as a whole, you have to bring in later chapters when you're starting in the beginning in, in order to get the Christ-centered nature, the, the biblical theological connection to the rest of the Bible. Um, I, I don't shy away from that when I get to the actual passage that I've been referencing yeah. the entire time. And so definitely uh, just zero in on the fact that this is a disappointment, the fact that there's a recognition here that somebody's going to have to descend from heaven in order for us to have this mm -hmm. kind of wisdom. And the quotation there in verse five from the prayer of David um, in sec at the end of second Samuel, um, that he's confident that God's going to keep his promise. He's going to keep his covenant to David. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, I'm bringing all of that in again and just saying, Hey, as we talked about, we talked about this in the earlier part of our series now we see the fulfillment of it here. Um, and so that's what I did in the, in the early verses. And then in the, in the intermediate verses, uh, especially when I'm talking about like the morality of not being a liar, not being a slanderer, not being somebody who curses your mother and father, um, not being a leech who is never satisfied, you know, who's never content with what they have. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm just bringing in here again, as we've talked about, I think Proverbs is a daily fleshing out of the law, uh, of the covenant. Yeah. And so in the same way I would preach a passage in Deuteronomy or Leviticus and say, here's how we fall short of this standard. Christ took the curses of the law on our behalf on the cross so that we can be forgiven. Uh, we're given the spirit so that we can then walk in and be conformed in the image of Christ. And so um, Christ took this for us. And then uh, this is how we now, as redeemed sinners who are filled with the Spirit, li live this out. And so that's what I did in the middle sections. And then in the last part, was just talking about how um, 
and I've, I've, I've mentioned this before, but how the design of the world is he's, as he's observing the way that the world works with these three and four things, um, the design of the mm-hmm. world is, is Christic in nature that it was, yeah. it was created by Christ for Christ upheld by Christ. And so the only way you're going to be able to observe the world and learn from it rightly is if you're in Christ and are viewing the world through the lens of, um, you know, a, a Christ-centered vision for the world. So apart from Christ, we're all the king who ends up being a fool and has never gained wisdom. Correct. Right. I mean, we're the, we're the, we're the ones who would say, it's too much for me, I can't do it apart from Christ. But through Christ, then, we can observe the lizard and learn something about God and his word and his world because of our sort of redeemed nature, our... Um, our redeemed sight and perception through Christ. Yes, correct. So did you think, so listen to you talk about that, and even knowing how we've talked about Proverbs throughout the series, I would assume the first six verses was the largest chunk of the sermon, and then you just flesh some of that other stuff out in the, like in maybe the second half of the sermon? Yes. The The middle section was the was the shortest, the first section was the longest, and then the third section was a little bit longer than the middle section, just because of the number of, uh, I think, like you said, there's like, there's four of these three and four, um, yeah. Lists. And so it just, but, but again, I'm just doing like one sentence each on, mm-hmm. on them. Well, and in some sense, the middle section are things that you cover in a lot of ways in that, that topical section from 10 to 29. Correct. So it really is a, is sort of a repetition of that. That's great, John. Um, I know this is a significant passage. Next week, we're going to talk about 31. You said these two passages are are coupled together. So just give us a little preview, get us excited for next week and wrapping this, this series up. So, uh, so I'll, I'll give you a way to think about this. Last night, took my family to see the second installment of the Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse uh, movie. Now they, they all loved it. I thought it was terrible. I fell asleep and I've been, <laughs> I've been ridiculed for that by people online. Um, but it ends with a cliffhanger. And so the, the story is unresolved and the same thing is happening here. And, and, and so actually the end of the movie was good. And so it made me want to see the rest of it. Um, so we, we have this get to the end of the book. I'm stupider than any other man. I've not obtained wisdom not obtain knowledge of the holy one only way this is going to happen if somebody descends from heaven how are we going to see this fulfilled how are we going to see a son who chooses wisdom and then sets up the kingdom to flourish and thrive and last forever chapter 31 is going to give us that answer so in the words of every good vacation bible school teacher i had growing up Come back next week to to hear the exciting conclusion of the book of Proverbs. Yeah, so it's the yeah. If if you ever watched this, wh- I loved it when I was a kid. Same bat time, same bat channel. That's right. We're gonna see how Batman and Robin get out of the mess that they're in. Okay, well you don't want to miss it. Thanks for listening today. Uh, we'll see you again next week.
Thank you for listening to the Christ Centered and Clear podcast. If you have questions or topics or texts you would like us to consider for future podcasts, please contact us at ChristCenteredAndClear at gmail.com and please visit us at ChristCenteredAndClear.com for more resources. Thank you.